This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Otago Access Radio, in partnership with Otago Polytech, brings you Blowing Bubbles. Blowing Bubbles brings you positive conversations of people in their bubbles around the world. How are people living their bubble lives? Working from home, keeping kids entertained, and staying connected and getting exercise. And how are these things presenting us with the opportunities to find new ways of living? Every weekday, the Sustainable Lens team of Samuel Mann, Shan Gallagher and Mara Karatai reach out from their bubbles to chat with interesting and positive people around the world. Broadcast on Otago Access Radio 105.4 FM and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz and sustainablelens.org. Bringing connection, joy, kindness and peace in the days ahead. Welcome to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. I'm Samuel Mann in Sawyer's Bay, Dunedin, and I am joined today by Steffi Brightwell from Christchurch. She is a community connector and change navigator. Kia ora, Steffi. How has your bubble life been? Uh, good, yes. So not currently in a bubble life, but I do spend a lot of time working from home still, so that part hasn't changed. Where were you for the lockdown? So I was based in Christchurch, living in a flat, and we actually live on site as part of our church community. So there was five of us at the time, but four of us now. Were you working during the lockdown? Yes, I was. So I, I was studying and then most of my work tied into my study as well. And what, what was that you were doing? So I was part of a program called Leadership for Change at Otago Polytechnic and my work involved working with my community to support them to adapt to the lockdown environment. And so that looked very different depending on the day. Um, one day I was locking myself in my room to try and find emergency accommodation for people. The next day I was creating a, um, a resource for people to help them reflect on the small space around them and appreciate that for its beauty. So what sort of community is that? Is, is that the local community or the, the church community that's a bit more distributed? Uh, so I focused mostly on the church community because I was quite new in my neighbourhood. Normally, my way of working would be to focus on my neighborhood, but I thought this is probably not the easiest time to form lots of new connections. So I did do a little bit with that area, but mostly the church community and my house community as well. We've had people say that it was a time for really falling back on sort of the first principles of what of what you know, that if you are a a values-based leader or whatever it might be, that that was the time where those things really shone through but it probably wasn't a time for learning those things so was that similar for you that that you were able to say okay this is where my skills in terms of the community come to the fore yeah I think that was how it was for me and actually in some ways I had a period of time where I wasn't able to work at the same capacity that I used to because I had some sickness and um, fatigue issues but I was able to fall back into how I used to work but find a new way of doing it basing it from home that gave me a lot more energy um, but, but yeah it was I guess learning new ways to do the things I used to do. So what is your your way of working it involves music and poetry and things doesn't it? Uh, yeah so I describe myself as a community connector and a change <laughs> navigator and so the way I see that working is in the space between people, place and ideas. And I, I kind of work like a bass guitar. So trying to thread between the melody and the rhythm and the different threads of a community and pushing the song along from behind. Um, and yeah, so what that looks like changes. I just try and weave connections between people and places and fill the gaps that I can observe. And part of that is using poetry and I'm learning to use music in that way as well. And the community around me at the moment are quite creative. So I've kind of jumped in on that as well. So where did you start using poetry? How did that come about? Um, good question. I, I used to write, write a little bit of poetry just for myself. And then I started 
actually, I wrote a little book about riding the bus, and that was while I was sick. I used to write on Facebook just the the observations I noticed while I was riding the bus, different anecdotes, and that was because that was the one little contribution I could make back to the world that uh, worked with my energy levels, and I saw it as kind of reporting from the bus, and then I turned it into a, a little book and turned it into a poem as well, and then heard feedback from people that I should try and develop my observational poetry a bit more so and you have been uh yes yeah working on that quite a bit at the moment but how does one do that does what is it just going about your life but being aware as you're doing it yeah so i at the moment i've got a poetry mentor that encourages me to write down all the different fragments just little one-liners that stick out for me as i'm going about life and i naturally observe and notice the things around me but um yeah just kind of making that an intentional practice of capturing the things that i notice do you know the book by um i'm going to say it's carrie smith the how to be an art explorer of the world no but that sounds fantastic um it's a it's kind of a children's book she, she's the person that you, you must have seen the books it's sort of like got a journal um and it's called something like please steal this book um, you, the, it's quite dis, they're quite distinctive. You see them in in, um, in in bookshops, but it has a she has a, a list of ten things to to be a, a navigator of the world. And my favourite one is uh, number three. I think it is is everything is interesting. Yes, that's how I feel definitely. And I think the way I often describe it is everyone is fascinating if you listen to them for long enough. Um, so some people you find it straight away. Others you have to sit quite. Patiently. <laughs> <laughs> that's a cool. That's a cool thing to add. If everyone is paying, I'm just writing that one down. That's cool. Let's take the first of your music selections. Let's have the collection becoming my own house, my own home. Be good if I could read my own writing. This is friends of yours. Why this one? Uh, so while, during the lockdown, I kind of focused on three spheres. Um, one was myself, my house, and then uh something wider so the wider one was mostly my church community but my connection to the global community was through a band called the collection they formed this online facebook network of their fans and supporters and that became quite a, a lovely wee community of people um to connect and support each other and so i thought um yeah it'd be just really fitting to share one of their songs and this particular song uh, resonates with me as a um, reminder that we can find home within ourselves. Without memories of you, but 
Dashton got the book, How to Be an Explorer of the World, Portable Life Museum. Because I, I couldn't remember the I couldn't remember the other ten things. Here we are. Here's the ten things. Well, if I show it that way, then I can't read it. Okay, I have to do it this way. How to be an explorer of the world. One, always be looking. Notice the ground beneath your feet. Two, consider everything alive and animate. Three, this is what I think is the best one. Everything is interesting. Look closer. Four, alter your course often. Five, observe for long durations and short ones. Six, notice the stories going on around you. Seven, notice patterns, make connections. Eight, document your findings, field notes in a variety of ways. Nine, incorporate indeterminacy. I thought there was 10, there's 13. I'm going to keep going. 10, observe movement. 11, create a personal dialogue with your environment, talk to it. 12. Trace things back to their origins. And 13. Use all of the senses in your investigations. I think, it, I think that's a pretty good guide for, for doing quite a lot of things. That's fantastic. I did have a tutor once that tried to get us to talk to our environment. That's probably the one I find most challenging from that list. <laughs> I think talking to a tree was not my natural way of operating. <laughs> um, yeah, but I, I love that. That sounds like my kind of book. Um, I used to introduce myself as a suburban explorer because I think suburban sounds kind of like you know, dull, but it's not necessarily. But um, and then sort of next to that, explorer sounds really exciting, and I like the idea of putting those together. One of the things that lots of people have reported during the lockdown was just that experience of being at home and close to home, and that that pause and the, the opportunity to notice the things around them yeah definitely i i think for me i realized i was already doing that and and because i had the period of time where i was sick i'd got i had kind of learned how to cope in a small environment myself and how to appreciate that and so i kind of saw it as my challenge to help others to do the same and so i'd find different creative ways to encourage them to look beyond what might just seem like an ordinary day and whether or not the birds actually got louder everybody noticed the birds getting louder but not just not just that there's so many people doing things like posting pictures of mushrooms and fungi and things that they would have normally just walked on past yes absolutely yeah so how's Christchurch going Christchurch it is I'm just looking out the window and it, it looks like it's all <laughs> it's still there <laughs> it's still there yeah I mean Christchurch is an interesting one because we don't really have a normal it's always changing and that's in my opinion I guess so yeah just little pieces of things we learnt from the lockdown are probably still quite central but Yep, the busyness outside suggests a lot of it has returned. <laughs> it was weird, wasn't it, on that, during the lockdown, when we were enjoying not rushing about, mm. 
I, I remember quite distinctively of, of a moment when we were walking around on the hills and thinking, everyone's going to be rushing around tomorrow. Let's not do that. Well, let's find a way of not doing that. And of course, we everybody did. Are we addicted to that rushing around? Yeah, I, I suspect so. I felt, yeah, a sadness. And I, I wrote a poem about it as well, just sitting still with the trees and with the insects and saying, I'm still here, I'm still going slowly. And the reminder that there are still some people that that always went at that pace um, and that for a moment we all joined together with that. And it's okay that, that not everyone wanted to stay like that. <laughs> In terms of that moment of reset that um, Rahui, all the words that, that all seem to start with R, <laughs> what were you hoping for or how are you describing what's happened since? Is it a recovery, a regeneration? It uh, doesn't have to start with R, but, but what works for you? Um, well, the word that was sitting with me this morning actually was is reboot. Um, that's more for me personally uh, yeah, because I, I felt like I found my momentum in that time. Everyone else sort of around me had to slow down and struggled to find their momentum. And I was like, oh, this is my moment. And what does the you, Christchurch, you said Christchurch doesn't have a, a normal, but has it been a return to normal or has it been a return to to something else and businesses unusual? What's the What's happening? I think it's a, a bit of a hybrid, but I think largely fairly normal. I think there's still, still, I, I don't know, whatever element really stuck with the people, at least the people that I'm in contact with, I think it, they've tried to hold on to that. So for some that was prioritizing connection with people or for others it was prioritizing st stillness and and so I see them still searching for little ways to keep that thing alive in them. Yeah, I think part of that, from from what you were just saying, we can take that people had the opportunity to prioritise, whether it be connection or, or stillness, was to actually stop and think about what matters. Yeah, and I, I mean, imagine, I imagine that that's not the case for everyone. And I was chatting to some people who it was a really frantic time and they didn't get to do that. Uh, but... For a lot of people, I think they did get a moment to go, okay, I can't just do what I was doing. What do I do? Christchurch, of course, has had a series of disruptions. Mm. Maybe that's why it doesn't have a normal. Mm. Do you think that made it was better prepared for the disruption of the pandemic? I think so. I know at the start I was, I was a bit nervous thinking would uh would people be fatigued from change and disruption and not adhere to requirements that sort of thing but actually i think what i saw was the same as what i saw every other time is that is that christchurch really tries to do well with what's in front of us yeah did the community respond in positive ways did you see positive community actions yeah and I, I really noticed that from a whole mixture of people so I jumped on our local community page and someone just some neighbor decided they would organize resources for kids with autism because that was a, a really hard change um, to their routine and I just thought that's a really beautiful um, moment where someone is seeing what they can offer into the community um, and our community is I mean I'm still feeling new but from my learning so far it's a place that wants to be connected but isn't always sure how and in that moment people found their way to connect and found their way to to be a part of that. It's interesting how the pandemic the lockdown at least was a sort of a shock to our system in that the thing that we wanted to do, which is connect, was the thing which we couldn't do, at least physically. But it really brought home to us how much we need it and we found alternative ways of doing it. Absolutely, yeah. 
one one of the, my favorite ways was a couple of my friends they started a minecraft server and someone would create replicas of the buildings from our ordinary life and someone made an easter egg hunt someone threw a lot of chickens at me that one's less realistic but um, just finding whatever means would work for the the people around us to connect and uplifting that so you're talking about um being a, a community connector and, and change navigator how are you doing that now has it changed after the from what you're doing before the pandemic to, to to now i think what i'm actually working on has changed but i the, the, what i'm working on has been from the opportunities that i gained through showing what i could do in that time um one of the projects i'm working on is narrative for story exchanges so that's where people come together and tell each other's stories in first person which is a unusual activity um, and i discovered that it's mostly based overseas and i learned how to facilitate that during the lockdown and i saw that from as an opportunity sorry to connect people across difference it's quite a good empathy building tool um, and over the lockdown i was hearing people talk about uh how they'd love to be able to connect with people that were different to them and didn't know how and then i was listening to older people chat for sometimes hours about their life stories and i thought here's here's these two groups of people that could learn a lot from each other maybe we just need some kind of way of gathering together and i'm excited by the uh exchanges ability to do that what did you call it is it narrative exchange uh so it's called narrative four and that's the global movement that it's part of and it's a story exchange so how does that happen how does it work do you get people presumably you have to talk to each other first if i'm going to tell somebody else's story i have to have quite a close relationship with them no not at all so that would seem sensible uh but it can work well in groups that know each other or that don't it, what it does require is everyone in the group to come with the same intention or uh, yeah an intention to hold each other's stories with respect and it's yeah it's amazing really it's quite a hard thing to explain until someone experiences it in some ways so i've run it with a group that didn't know each other at all and through the process of listening one-on-one -on -one to someone else's story how quickly it becomes something that you just want to hold with respect whether or not you agree with their story and knowing that soon you're going to go back into the group and share their story as though it happened to you means that people just listen really fully uh and yeah i've, I've had groups that i've run it with before that have realized how little we do listen fully <laughs> um when invited to do that yeah and that's been interesting and then other groups that have known each other really well and still discovered parts of their stories that just don't come up in everyday life so i think it works well in either space to telling the story i'm not telling bob's story i'm telling bob's story as if it's my story yeah yeah which is not something i'd ever encountered somewhere before and the the rationale that narrative has narrative four has for this is that in the process of developing empathy it's a lot easier to do that when the walls between you and that person are removed and when you're telling that story as if it's your own you there's just no layer between you and them and you're never going to capture the story perfectly the other person does need to to hold that lightly and, and choose a story that they're willing to share in that way um yeah it's it's an interesting thing and so far i found it's been quite a profound experience for people and when i've gone through myself as well it's been really fascinating for me and is the, the intention is to use that with quite dis, disparate groups or, or, or what's the what's the plan for using it uh so this year i've got uh sort of one year to trial it with different environments to see where it lands here and to see uh, if it fits in a new zealand context well uh, yeah where i where i was most excited to see it was in my own community seeing the stories of the 
older people that might not get to share them as much come alive and then the younger people will be able to connect with people who have a different background from them. But yeah, I think there's there's scope to use it in environments. I know overseas they use it in schools a lot, especially where there might be um, tension between different groups and they use it as a way of helping people relate to each other. Bubble Sprite of the Forest of Orokunui, Dunedin's favourite goddess, Tahu Mackenzie. Kia ora koutou, nā mihi aroha nui kia koutou, koutou hope you're all having a best day before superstars in your beloved universe and I really hope whoever you are, whatever's happening with this journey or on together to be, that you sustaining and illuminating for you and who you are, the triumph of nature's art, unique and here. So know that for all of us who've been through so many shifts and changes over the last more than a year now, and these five minutes with you have helped me so much over that time. Thank you all for having me, Sam, and the whole Blown Bubbles team for having me. Now, as we know, we find ourselves in a state of renewed and restored freedoms. We are able to frolic about great hordes of our species and explore as we choose. Now, even with the Trans-Tasman Bubble, and of course, as we move about more freely, we can reconnect with that previous life that we all knew and perhaps at times took for granted. Whilst around the rest of the world, this is, this is not the case. So it's so important that we make sure we're looking after ourselves and each other. As these changes occur, do what we can to keep ourselves and each other safe. Now for me yesterday we had our open day at my heart's home workplace Orokunui Eco Sanctuary and we had thousands of people visiting us because it was only five dollars to to come through the mighty fence of defense and of course this would have been unthinkable before and everybody had a wonderful time it all went so well had lovely Leslie wife of Sam being amazing by my side so lucky to have her as part of the dream team and I was at the pond all day looking at beautiful bugs with multiple life forms and it was very exciting we found many dragonfly larvae who do actually look a bit like mini dragons and are really gorgeous and so it was a very successful day i then went to the wild dunedin seven by seven talks and we had seven artists photographers scientists illustrators speaking about their art songwriters speaking about the art and how it is influenced by the natural world and what connections are there. And we also celebrated our dear friend, the late Dr. Phil Bishop, who received the Wild Hero Award for the festival. And his wife, Debbie, and his sons very bravely came and accepted the award. And Debbie spoke, and it was very beautiful. And she shared what she felt he would want to be shared and she said his advice had always been to be curious to be curious about the world to follow our passions to follow what's really fascinating for us to be ourselves to be genuine to share who we are with the world to be kind and to help each other where we can as much as we can and to acknowledge that frogs are crucial for the survival of all life on earth and this is of course where Phil found his passion and his love was for our beautiful frogs and he did a lot of work at Orokanui for our beautiful native frogs but of course thinking about all of this and, and processing all of this the next day again I'm just struck by how we as a species draw so much from sharing our understandings of life, our perceptions of life and how wonderful to hear from this beautiful family of Phil's, how wonderful to hear from all these artists, how wonderful to be able to come together and share what our unique experience is giving to us every moment. So I really hope for you that you're having the opportunity to share and I really hope that for you, you are also having the opportunity to hear and receive from others what they are experiencing and this is helpful to and I look forward to talking to you again soon. Thanks so much. Kakiti. You're listening to Blowing Bubbles. We're talking with Steffi Brightwell, who is a community connector and change navigator based in Christchurch. Steffi, we've seen lots of societal change over the last year. 
What do you think is going to stick? And perhaps more importantly, what do you hope will stick? Um, I don't know what will stick, but what I hope is the value of reflection and the value of small things. Um, yeah, seeing time where all we had a lot of the time was what's in front of us and doing something with that. I think, yeah, the value of what, yeah, what is in front of us. Yeah. And what lessons do you think we can take from the pandemic for the larger questions that face us, the things like climate change and social injustice, the sort of things that we can't fix by staying at home and watching Netflix, playing Minecraft. <laughs> Can we take some lessons from it? I, I wonder if the lesson is that things that feel essential might not be. Um, it's a scary thing to shift something in a complex world we don't know what will happen and i wonder with climate change it requires big changes and that is a scary thing so we don't know what will happen um but through this process we've learned that we can make changes to things and we can cope with that and the things we thought we had to have to to survive were not the things that we needed when we really boiled it down to the simplest things yeah a whole lot of people got a rude awakening when their jobs turned out not to be essential yeah yeah and your job was but i wanted to focus on what i was doing <laughs> and and we, we showed as you're saying we showed that we can do stuff if we want to mm, yeah yeah and i think yeah, it's it's easy to get stuck in the ordinary rhythm of things and those opportunities to try something else are hard, but quite a gift to remind us that we can cope with that. It's going to be hard for any politicians or bureaucrats arguing why we shouldn't do something <laughs> if their answer is it's too difficult or it's going to take too long. Yeah. When, I think that, yeah. when we've shown that we can do it. Yeah, that's right. And that's a, an interesting uh, reflection. One of the roles I had was to celebrate some of the changes and, and write a report celebrating some of the changes that came about from community-led groups and heard quite a lot that some of the big systems find it harder to change than a smaller on-the-ground system. I think that is a challenge there for those of us connected to those big systems that in those moments they may not be the biggest strength. <laughs> I don't know if I worded that exactly as I wanted to. But, yeah. but those community-led groups can respond. Yeah, yeah, often can move a lot quicker and they have the relationships. And, is what you need to be able to do something in, in a moment of disruption. I nearly forgot to put in your second music choice. Let's have, good if I could read my writing, let's have Summer Cannibals, one of many. Why this one? Uh, well, during the lockdown, I decided I was going to learn the bass, and that was a little bit me trying to connect with someone and also you know, trying to learn this instrument that seemed to be a good metaphor for what I was doing and I thought well, if, 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 if ever I'm going to get good at an instrument it might be that one <laughs> and so I would go for walks and play that song over and over and over again to try and train myself to be able to hear a bass line because I was really starting from not being able to hear the middle <laughs> <laughs>
how is a base a metaphor for what you're doing? Uh, so I, I think I mentioned it a little earlier. So I see the role of the bass to thread between the melody and the rhythm and to push the song along in the background and also to listen for what the context needs and what the rest of the band needs. So I, I don't go in trying to show all that I can do, but to do what they need from me. And so in the work that I do, that's a very similar way of working. I will try and sound out what the gaps are and move into those spaces and I'll stay connected to all the different parts of the context that I'm in and try to yeah thread thread connections between them. Is that a leading from the back? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's interesting because the bass is quite a loud instrument. <laughs> so <laughs> even when it, even when you're leading from the back, it, it's kind of one of those things where you might not notice it, but when it's not there, you do. And I think sometimes my work can seem kind of strange and invisible but when it's not happening it's like oh okay i can see what's missing there so sort of at the back sort of all in the middle kind of hard to explain the placement <laughs> <laughs> so i have some questions to end the show with what is the biggest success you've had in the last couple of years for me, finding my feet and my voice again, I really struggled with that. I try and make myself really small so I didn't take up too much space and I wouldn't put my hand up to, to do anything. Um, and sometimes that's still a challenge I have, but I feel in myself that it's starting to fade and I'm starting to go, oh, this is who I am and this is what I've got to offer. And it's valid. <laughs> We're writing a book of these conversations. It's called Tomorrow's Heroes. It's our team of people doing good work. So you are in our team. What is the superpower that's got you into our mansion? I think it is... Oh, I think it's observation. Um, but if I had a second one... You can have be... two. So long as it's not laser eyes or flying, you can have as many as you like. Um, it, it's like very brightly coloured invisibility. <laughs> so I have this thing where I can get myself into different spaces that probably I shouldn't be in, um, or not shouldn't be in, but I'm like, how did I get here? How, what? I'm, I'm, okay, interesting. Um, and then I can use observation as a gift back to those places. So. That is cool. That's a really nice concept, brightly coloured invisibility. I like that. Yeah, it's not like I blend in where I am. I'm not a proper <laughs> chameleon, but it's like it's obvious that oh, what's she doing here? But okay, she's <laughs> And and while you're there, you're doing useful stuff. But yeah, you get yeah. you can get to that point where you can be useful, yeah. and then they can notice there's, you. Um, there's this rap collective that I quite like, Rebel Diaz, the, the, um, I think that's what they're called. They uh, say when you're in a community that's not your own, it's your job to find what you can give back to strengthen that place. So I think that's what I'm doing when I'm observing and uh, going into spaces that aren't sort of my natural place. Do you consider yourself to be an activist? I don't know. I'm a millennial. I don't think I give <laughs> myself titles very easily. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes I'm an activist, sometimes I'm not. <laughs> what motivates you? What gets you out of bed in the morning? Um, I think for me, uh, on one level, is the idea that the God that I believe in invites us into the work of restoring relationships between people, um, self, God, nature all those sort of things. And I think I'm really captivated by that idea, particularly on a good day, and, and that propels me forward. Have those relationships been challenged over the last year, particularly challenged? Um, oh, I think an ongoing thing, there's always something that creates tension in relationships between yeah, all those are quite complex relationships. So I think there's always challenges 
that um, need strengthening and restoration. So what is the biggest challenge or perhaps opportunity that you're looking forward to in the next year or so? Oh, good question. Um, I think... I don't know if I've got a big one that stands out to me. Uh, I mean, maybe it's the thing that I want for others as well, as as life gets busier again, um, to be able to continue to observe and reflect and build little daily moments of of those things occurring. Yeah. How can we capture, suggests uh, being mean and putting it in a cage, how can we engage with, that's a better idea, how can we engage with those things in a way that that sticks and that those, those moments stick? Um, I think that... I think for me, my process anyway, is that observe, reflect, discuss, and then act in some way based on what that is. I mean, loosely, it's not always quite formulaic like that. Um, and then break it down into the three spaces, myself, the immediate people around me, and then something broader. I can't look at the whole broader thing because I don't need to there's other people to do more of that um and limited energy as well and so i've already lost what the question was <laughs> um yeah what was it i feel like i was going somewhere but um, I no I, I it occurred to me that we need to get better at not just observing things but somehow mm -hmm. making those observations stick yeah right so I, that's that's where i was going so i think that kind of cyclical process um, is what helps that stick for me. So when I observe something and reflect on it and then create a moment of action from it, that sticks that process a bit for me. Yeah, and I, and I wonder if that's one way of going about that. And then the other thing I saw is social media was very alive during the lockdown and a lot of recording of what was happening and I think the other way is just cementing what is being observed through conversation and through, uh, yeah, through writing about it as well. People might say, oh, you know, what uses social media? But I think it's a good recorder of what we feel and see at the time. And we can actually go back to and go, oh, okay, that's, that was important to me then. What do I need to do to bring that back alive in my life now? And lastly, do you have any advice for our listeners? Um, yes. So the best piece of advice I ever found, I think I was 15 and I read it on a forum, was take heed of many advice of few and always paddle your own canoe. And I thought it was quite catchy. And... I like the idea that listen to a lot of people but don't absorb everything that's a lot of opinions all at once really <laughs> um, absorb absorb and hold a few of those and then take control of your own actions and your own um, values as well thank you very much for that thank you very much for joining me we're going out to another of your music choices MGMT kids
You've been listening to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. Brought to you by the Sustainable Lens Team, which is brought to you by Otago Polytechnic. We're broadcast on Otago Access Radio every Monday, Wednesday and Friday at 3 and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz. You can find us on Facebook and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We've had a contribution today from Tahu McKenzie. This is MGMT Kids. I'm Samuel Manon Sawyers Bay, Dunedin, and I've been joined today by Steffi Brightwell in Christchurch. That was Blowing Bubbles. We hope you enjoyed the show. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.